RSN Racing. It's the home of Victorian racing. Stand by for a start. Whether it's thoroughbred, greyhound or harness racing, RSN Racing supports an industry full of heartwarming stories. Animo holding on, Animo. This time for the big age. Cut four is a good win. King of swing fighting, though. He's a superstar, a champion pacer. For the next 90 minutes, RSN brings you the latest news, tips, and unique racing tales. Gates are back and away. This is Big V Racing. Yes, good morning everyone. Welcome to Big V Racing here on Monday the 5th of December. It's great to have your company this morning. Matt Nevin and Sean Cosgrove with you. Live from Brendan Purcell's property ahead of the Phoenix in a couple of weeks' time because... Brendan Purcell trains the RSN 927 Greyhound McInerney, who will be going around on December 17. Uh, for our great station, RSN 927, Cosy, as I say, good morning to you. Good morning, Matty. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to be down here today with Brendan. We've been through, and I uh, haven't seen as many licks since I last bought a soft serve at Macca's. I've been <laughs> licked by, I think, every dog in the kennel so far gone past. <laughs> I've got to say, they're the best dogs of all time, the Greyhounds. Yeah. They really are. They're absolutely beautiful. Brendan's here with us now. How are you, Brendan? Yeah, very good, thank you. That's good. Mate, you've got a, a wonderful setup here. I've never seen as many relaxed, happy dogs. These blokes you go through, and the girls, they, uh, all they want to do is jump up and say good day. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, they've had their um, their tea, their dinner, so um, yeah, they're all pretty relaxed now, and I'm um, just going to lay about for the day. Well, what a great lifestyle. And we yeah, had a look at McInerney, had him out before, and uh, we had a rug here that had RSL on it with a little trial fitting, and uh, looked good with it on. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, no, it fitted him good, and um, yeah, he's all um, systems go. Uh, Brennan, thanks for having us at your, at your property here. So, it's great to be here. It was raining this morning, but it's uh, the sun certainly poked its head out now. It's turning into a nice afternoon. Um, Tell us a little bit about your setup here in, in Lara. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, Robert Britton's property. Um, he's got a couple of properties here, and, um, yeah, I, I lease it off him. And, um, yeah, it's all set up, ready to go. We, we've got good runs, and, um, yeah, the kennels and all the facilities are good, and, and it works very well. Yep. So, Rob, he lives uh, on the back of this property, is that right? So he should, yeah. you sort of share yeah, uh, facilities exactly. and, and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly, yeah. We, we work in together, and, um, yeah, we, we use his runs and, like, it's for both properties and um yeah in the morning we sort of do it all together and um get up and work them all together and um get all that out of the way and then we go back to our own sort of kennels and do our feeding and finishing up and cleaning up and, and that sort of side of it now i want to correct you there when you say runs some of these they're not runs they're paddocks <laughs> some of these dogs have been out here brendan you and rob have got them out here it's like some of the babies and so forth they run around i had fairly decent i wouldn't have a house block that big yeah, no, they're all in pretty pretty big paddocks. They're probably um, some of them are like acre, two acre paddocks yeah. uh, for the for the young puppies that run around in them. And um, yeah, like you, they need they need a space to run around and um, do what they do, and, and they enjoy being out and a lot, lot bigger and living the life before they actually come into a kennel to start their training and process. You've got a couple of good setups here too. I know you've got a box and the whole lot and good straight runs down there, the sand track, which is beautiful. Yeah, we've got three hundred and forty meter runs. We've got two yeah. of them. Um, yeah, so. Uh, all the dogs go out in them in the morning, one on each run, and we use a motorbike to to run them up, and they go up and back, and um, yeah, we sort of probably try and do them up and back twice, and um, yeah, that, that's their workout for the day. Some get worked a little bit harder, some get worked a little bit less, just it all depends on the dog. This is like Healdsville at Lara. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> the straight track here. <laughs> we could run a meeting out here, the, the two-dog race. Yeah, we could, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You go, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, with them, when, when do you start uh, breaking them in a work, at what age usually will you break them in? Sort of 
probably they go to the breakers anywhere 13 to 14 months that they'll go away and get broken in and then they um but then they start their pre what we say pre-training you can't race until you're 18 months of age so um yeah like they might have a month off after they come back from the breakers and then they either get um sent out to a pre-trainer or we do some here and then it's just a process of trialling them and, and, and just teaching them the ropes, more or less. And then, um, yeah, we get an idea of how they go, and then we'll place them to where they've got to go. And, um, yeah, they're off and racing, hopefully, by 18 months. So how many you got here right now? Uh, it's on, our, on this property here, there's 30. Yep. And probably another 50 down at Robbie's, something and, like and that. And what's the split of those that are racing currently and those that are in pre-training? Um, I've got a main kennel block, which I have 18, which are, I try and have all my race dogs in that block, and then yep. the other 12, or, I've got 12 other kennels, and, and they're the pre-trainers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Now, with these, when you break them in, I mean, basically, they just love running and they love chasing, and for them, a lot of them, it's a game, it's fun, they enjoy it, so breaking in really, I would simplifying for people, is to get them to jump from the lids when the, when the, the box opens, and to chase the fluffy, colourful thing. Yeah, that, that's right, I mean, look... Uh, the, 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 you really want them to chase, but um, also the, the boxes are very important. Um, the, that's where you win your races. You know, if you can jump to the front, ninety percent of the time you, you're sort of going to win your race. Um, so yeah, the, 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 that's the main thing. When we were walking through uh, before, you were saying that there was a, a dog there that's had a bit of trouble getting out of the box with its pre-training. So what sort of things do they do to encourage the greyhound to actually jump from the boxes fast? Yeah, well, that, that little dog will go back to. Um, to a breaker and he'll, he'll get there and he'll feed him in the box and play around with him and try and get him to relax he's just a bit over the top yep. and he wants to turn in the boxes um, yeah the other day at the trials he wanted to come out the, the wrong way back so he come out come, he come out with his tail out and I said what's yeah. going on here but um, yeah so he'll go back and play around with him just to see if we can help him in that way and if he settles down and then he'll get a little bit of confidence and hopefully come back and he'll be okay mm-hmm. now I was asked a question the other night and was out at Sandown <laughs> I said look I'm going to be honest I don't know um, this lady said she's watching the the lids about it. She said, "Does it make a difference?" She said, "I see some dogs down low, almost as though they want to go under the the lid when it comes up." She said, "Others are almost up, prancing, ready to go." And I said, "I don't think it does. It's just the dog themselves, what they're comfortable with." Yeah, no, there's no doubt that the better beginners do get down. Do they? Yep. Um, yeah, like you, you'll see see some like sort of scraping at the front of the boxes mm. just as the lure's coming, but the real good beginners, they stop just, the, 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 they, they actually know the times, you know, ah, like, right. that they can time it that good. Um, yeah, the more more they crouch down, the, the better off they are. Like they actually get that, that good push off then. Like um, a swimmer on the blocks almost. Well, it is, yeah, but yeah. the ones that stand up and come out with their head up in the air, like. Yeah. They're back behind the other You're going to be a bit like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be out the back. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your relationship with Rob. Obviously, you spoke about how you, you share um, the setup here, and um, you've obviously struck up quite a good friendship with him since you've moved to Victoria from, from Tasmania. Yeah, no doubt. Rob, Robbie's been um, a great mentor to me and a great friend. Um, he's really helped me get going. Um, yeah, he's, he's a terrific person in his own right, like to deal with and to do any with. And yeah, I was lucky enough to meet him. And we went out for lunch in Tassie, and he said, "Come over and um, there's a place up the back you can go into." And and I did it, and it's worked out really, really well. Is that when you first thought about it? You know, going into greyhound racing. Uh, yeah, I, I actually was playing around with three or four in Tassie. Yep. And um, yeah, so I wasn't in, into it a big way over there or anything like that. But I just um, needed a change, and um, when he made that offer, it was just great. Yeah, because before that, you were heavily involved in the trots. Yeah, you were you were training, uh, you were yeah. a harness trainer, and then you decided to to move into the sport of greyhound racing. Yeah, well, it was oh, I was always in harness since I was I think thirteen, and um, yeah, I, I've done it for a living, and. Um, 
had moderate success. I wouldn't say I was very successful, but I had moderate success. And, um, yeah, and then um, one of my owners that owned a horse with me said to me, I said, I've sort of, I've had enough of this, you know, I, mean, I want to try something different. And he said, do you want to go into a business? So we actually built a car wash in yeah. Tassie. Yep. And with that, like, there was sort of very boring time. I used to work in seven days a week. Mm. I'd go down to the car wash, clean it up, and I'd be sitting there all day just looking at the walls, mm. more or less. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I'll get a grand and muck around with that, and yep. I'll try something different. And, and that's how it all evolved like that, yeah. yeah. How many people, it's just incredible the number of people who start that way, and Matty over here is going to be a future grand trainer. <laughs> He's so, desperate to so get I've one. been told. Yeah, and uh, people say, I'll get a dog, it'll be good exercise for me, things mm-hmm. like that, start mucking around, finish up with a great career out of it. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a good living, and um, they're, they're lovely lovely animals, and to deal with them, and it's a bit easier than mm-hmm. the horses, I find. Um, yeah, not as much um, sort of demanding. You're here at Lara today at Brendan Purcell's property. McInerney is going to be the RSN representative. In the Phoenix, the uh, 17th. Bennett, you mentioned the the harness racing. You were involved with that. And how did that start out? Was, it, was there a family background in harness, or was it just something you, you stumbled into? Yeah, no, it was my brother-in-law. He um, used to train in Tassie, and mm. um, so I used to just go out and give him a hand in the mornings and on holidays, school holidays and that sort of thing. <coughs> yeah, and all, all, all started from there. Tell you what, it would be a bit more work on harness horses than the wooden greyhounds, wouldn't it? Yeah, there is a lot more work, and um, yeah, it, it, sort of the greyhounds are completely different um, in the way of you get your work done, and then it's just a matter of putting them out. The harness, there's a lot more gearing them up, mm-hmm. and you know, farriers, and um, yeah, there's a lot more to it. Was that part of the lure of actually getting into greyhound racing? I know we touched on it before, and you, I know you sort of mucking around saying I'm going to be the next <laughs> superstar greyhound trainer, Cosy. I don't know about that, but um, in terms of actually being able to get into the sport, um, it is a clear pathway. I'm not saying that it's, it's not hard work by any means, but there is a clear pathway to actually be able to get in and it is quite a simple way to actually enter into the sport as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. Um, my, my grandfather actually used to train in Tassie and had a, he used to always talk about the dogs and I've always had an interest in them. Mm. I used to go to the dogs sometimes and watch them when the, the bigger races were on. And, um, yeah, I, I love racing, all sorts of racing, thoroughbreds, wherever it is. And, um, yeah, so I, to, to actually get into it, it's an easier side of things than trying to get into to gallopers and, yep. and, and even harness. So... Um, yeah, you can sort of get it, pick up a dog reasonably cheap, um, and start off and learn the learn the ropes, and then you're sort of off and going. And the the way the structure usually is with the greyhounds, it's usually a fifty fifty arrangement with the trainer, isn't it? Quite often, where you'll take the greyhound, so I'll prepare it, and we go fifty fifty in the winnings. Yeah. Um, in, in general, but and of course, if the ground isn't fast enough, well, you say, okay, we'll move on and get it onto another one. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Like it's sort of harness racing or thoroughbreds, a bit different. There's, there's clients paying your training fees to train that, or not paying your training fees sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> <Quite> <laughs> often, yeah. But, no, no, that, that's right. And the fifty-fifty is is great because you've got the dog and you go to the races and you know you're getting half the stake money and. Um, yeah, you, if you're lucky enough to win a few big races, well, that half that stake money's coming your way. And then on the other side, for the owners, well, they've got nothing to pay. Yeah, um, yeah they just drop the dog off and then they walk away and then hopefully they're earning money too and then they've just got to worry about the dog when the dog's fin- his career's nice, finished. Yeah. You've got a lovely lady here, Sandra. She's been fantastic at rehoming. Yeah. Games from left, right, and centre. Yeah, Sandra's worked for me for five or six years now, and and, and she's real good. Yeah, like she, she loves her animals and tries to find them a home when when yeah. um, when they get to the end of their careers. Yeah, she's done a brilliant job of them. Speaking of winning those big races, we'll talk about that in a moment. What it was like to win a million dollar chase earlier in the year, but just on that connection to the animal that you you talk about. So you've gone from working with horses to working with greyhounds. Yep. Um, how is that different in the way that you actually <coughs> work with them and train these animals? 
Yeah, I mean, of course, it's, the size is different, and, yeah. and it's a lot easier working with a dog. But I, I do, um, I use a lot of my training out of what I've learned out of harness racing, of course, into the dogs. I mean, it's all the same. It's an athlete. You got to get it fit. Yep. Um, they've got to be looked after and um, sort of, you know, kept kept warm in the in in the winter and cold in the summer and all that sort of thing and fed well. Um, so, so you yeah. have been able to transfer some of that knowledge across and, and implement it into, into greyhound racing. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, a lot, lot of things, and, you know, even with injuries and that sort of things, just different things I used on that I learned in harness racing that um, when I come into the dogs, people didn't do it, but mm-hmm. but, I, but I, I tried it tried it on the dogs and it actually worked and um, just little things like that, yeah. People would be surprised to learn that you use muscle men, obviously, chiropractors, uh, there's acupuncture, all sorts of things you use now on harness, gallopers and the greyhounds as well. Yeah, no, very much so. It's, it's getting pretty tech, to be honest. But, <laughs> it's um, human treatment. Yeah. But the old ultrasound, years ago, you'd, you'd put a bit of gel on and yeah. do that on a dog for a bit of a sore muscle. But these days, it's a host of treatments. Yeah, no, there is. Um, we sort of don't um, go overboard with muscle men and that sort mm. of thing, um, only if we think they've got an injury. Mm. We, we run them every day, so um, I reckon we, we run a lot of the soreness out of them and mm. all that sort of thing. And um, our, our dogs are pretty hard and they're pretty fit, so we don't sort of have a real lot of trouble. Is there a common injury they do tend to get? Sometimes you see a dog with a bit of tape up around the hock and the guy's got a bit of a track leg or something like that. Is there a common injury that the greyhounds tend to get? Well, the most haunted ones is hocks. I mean, especially summertime when the tracks are a little bit sort of harder and, yeah. and that sort of thing. You can do a hock and it's not a good injury. You know, it's a it's a long time thing. Mm. And, um, but the most common, they do back muscles. It's not a good one either. Um, and just your normal, like your your monkey muscles and, mm. and them sort of things. That they're just three week um, injuries and two week injuries. Um, yeah, they're pretty common. Mm. I suppose the other thing you always got to look for too is webbing and stuff like that with the feet. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, no, no, they get a little. Some some feet issues, um, yeah. Touch wood, it's been pretty good in, up here at the moment. But um, yeah, you get sort of sandy toes from running mm. on the sand, and and that sort of thing. It's all treatable. Um, yeah, all those little things are just um, webbings and that sort of thing. You can get over that pretty quick. It's just the, the main the fractures, and and then that's when it takes time. I got a fawn model over there looking at me now. I said to say, "What are you doing, <laughs> you big ugly thing?" <laughs> He's under the shade of a tree, absolutely enjoying life, and looking and saying, "There's a human sight screen sitting down over there." <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> what a life. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 13 to 12. You're with Matt Nevitt, Sean Cosgrove, and uh, Brendan Purcell, live from Brendan's property uh, for Big V Racing this morning. We'll take a break on the program. Dan Malecki will join us shortly as well to review the weekend's trots action on Gatespeed. George Ferruja will help us back a winner this afternoon. But we'll hit the break and come back and discuss what it was like to win a million-dollar chase with Brendan. BV Racing meets McInerney. Matt Nevitt and Sean Cosgrove live at the kennels of Brendan Purcell to meet RSN's challenger for the Phoenix at the Meadows, December 17th. Now, the Toad Divas of their race two at Ballarat, the winner eight, Pest Management, four the win, two even, one ten, one Riverdale Goldie, two ninety, seven Steelia Style, a dollar eighty, Quinella fourteen thirty, exact seventeen forty. The trifecta was fifty five sixty, the four three hundred and seventeen ten, running double one and eight, no one got. Jack put of a dollar sixty with him with Brendan Purcell. Talking about McInerney, just quickly about McInerney. I looked at his pedigree, Brendan, and his mother, uh, Odin Bale, I think it was. I remember seeing her win a middle distance race at Sandown. Went to the front, she just kept going. She's very strong and actually won over the distance. She was a, a very strong uh, galloper. Born Ali. Born Ali, rather, yeah. <laughs> I think Born Ali, sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, look, I'd I, I never seen a race, um, but I've heard a lot about her. She's been a terrific broom. Brew bitch. I think she's won the her progeny have won the most money out of any any other um, grand in 
in Australia. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Her, her progeny. Um, yeah, no, but she was very strong. Like I said, I've, I've spoke to Robbie about her, and Robbie said she was real good. You know, like she didn't start off that good. They didn't think she was any, and then when they got her up to 700, she went on and, and, yeah. and won her races, yeah. Interesting with McInerney, you sent him over to Tassie for a while. Was that just a confidence booster to build him up? Yeah, no, that was right. Yeah, um, he went over to my son, Blake, and um, he was racing here for a little bit, and um, sort of what was good, getting belted around in the city. Mm. Like, he just sort of was a little bit tardy early, and then so... Um, yeah, decided to send him over there and, um, yeah, he went over there and won 12 or 13 races, got confidence and then, yeah, then the owner said, why don't we bring him back and give him a go and he's come back and the rest is history. Tell us a little bit of, uh, about Blake. So he trains uh, greyhounds in Hobart, is that correct? Yeah. Yep. No, that's right. Yeah, he's at a place called Brighton, uh, about 30 minutes out of Hobart and it's actually my old kennels and that where I was over there. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's going good. He's, he's got like 16 dogs always in work and um, makes a living out of it too now and been here with Robbie, we've been able to send him a lot of dogs from here now, and sort of keep him keep his numbers up and keep the dogs turning over for him. So he's um, getting a result all the time. Do you get back there very often? Not as much as I'd like to go over and see him and that, yep. but he, he comes over here a little bit. And thankfully, through McInerney, we've, he's been coming up to Sydney. He likes to handle him in the bigger races. He thinks he's better than his dad. But <laughs> so I let him I let him do that. And um, yeah, no, and it's been good. So I've been able to catch up with him a bit that, in that way. Is he the lucky omen? Does the dog jump better and fly when he handles him? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably listening, so be careful. Yeah, no. Look, I'll say yes. I think it is. No, look, he's got a good association with the dog, and there's no doubt when he comes over, he, he, Blake comes over with his girlfriend, and um, the dog straight away just just he's completely different. He is wagging the tail, and he's, he's happy to see him. He remembers him. So yeah. yeah, no, it's good. Tell us about the experience of, of winning the million dollar chase. I mean, obviously, for a greyhound trainer to win big races I could only imagine it's the it's the thrill that you're all sort of craving and chasing each and every race and no doubt that'll be the case in the Phoenix in a couple of weeks time but take us back to that night where McInerney won the million dollar chase yeah well it was a sort of um it was a long process like we were traveling to Sydney for five weeks in a row and um to go up there and then the box draw we drew one and we just thought oh this is good and um if it just has to pan out right sort of and and it all did and yeah like I, I remember after the race, I couldn't even really talk. You know, I was, I was <laughs> half a tear in my eye. I was that happy for Blake. Um, yeah, he was ecstatic. And, and for Noel, like, Noel's been a great supporter of me. And um, to see him and the connection he's got with this dog, with the name you know, of his friend and all yeah. that sort of thing. And he had a tear in his eye. And, yeah, and it was just a great night. Just on that box draw, because I was reading an article from a few months ago in the lead-up to the race, and you were a little bit unsure about the box. Is that correct? Because you were almost yeah. of the opinion that he would be better off if he drew wide, but he drew box one that night. Yeah, no, I think... Um, like, like he is a wide runner. He, he likes to get up, use a bit of the track, and um, yeah, like I wouldn't have worried if he drew eight. Um, yep. But thankfully, he drew one and it worked out the way it did. He, if he drew eight, he probably wouldn't have won the race. So um, yeah, it's just all about the start. When you like, like with him, um, yeah, drawing drawing one, it was just sort of he, he was able to use a little bit of the track. Like and always, that doesn't happen. Like when you when you draw the one, when you're a bit tardy early, and yeah, it just worked out perfect. But yeah, it's better better than being in the middle anyway. At, at the Meadows, what about the Meadows in a couple of weeks' time for the Phoenix? What are you what are you hoping for? Well, 
I mean, I'd, I'd have to say one again. Yeah. I'd be silly if I didn't. But I, but I mean, he has gone very good there for mate. Um, he's got a good time there, and um, one night there, I think he won by eleven lengths or something like that for mate. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I, I mean, it's it's a hot hot race, a lot of pace in it, and um, yeah, you'll need the right box and the right dogs around you to get the right run. You know. This is Big V Racing. You're with Matt Nevitt and Sean Cosgrove. We're live from Brendan Purcell's property here in Lara, ahead of the Phoenix in a couple of weeks' time, where his Greyhound. Mac and Ernie will be representing RSN 927 in that race. And, Brennan, can you believe if he was to win the Phoenix on December 17, he would surge through the $2 million mark, which is quite extraordinary, isn't it? And I guess how, how incredible is it to, to think about that, that you, have the, um, you could potentially become the first Greyhound trainer to, to train a Greyhound that reaches that, that milestone? Yeah, no, the, the money now is um, it's just great. And... And to think, like, um, probably five years ago, you, you, people would laugh at you if you said you were going to win a million dollars, you know, yeah. like a greyhound. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, it definitely definitely is completely different. Mm. Not all that long ago, we used to have things like $1,000 maidens. And that was a big deal. You'd have all these heats and so forth to win a grand. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, yeah, like, you can actually earn some real good money now with the dogs. And, and look, I'm sure in time to come there'll be a real real good one come along, a freak, and um, it'll win four or five million. The other thing, too, is the, the breeding situation later. Like, Mankinetti, the way he's going, he's going to have a lovely life It's done. Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, look, he's got the breeding there, no doubt. His father and his mother, and um, yeah, like, and if he just has a bit of luck with luck early on, he, he could turn out a good stud dog. Away from Greyhound Racing, Brennan, I'm just sort of looking around at the moment. The head swivelling, I can see a, uh, a drum set over there. Uh, you've also got the treadmill over there. What, do, you, do you play a bit of drums there? Oh, I give it a bash, yeah. but I'm, I'm not very good at it, but I definitely don't use the treadmill. But <laughs> <laughs> So how often do you play a bit of music? No, nah, I used to play at school. I, yeah. I, to be honest, I hardly ever use Every time I get on them, the dogs all bark because they hear the noise. And yeah, so um, Mice jump on traps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> what other interests have you got away from the sport of greyhound racing? Um, one bad, one punting. Um, <laughs> like the rest of us, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like fishing and that, yep. that sort of thing. Yeah, I had a boat there and we used to go out fishing and I just sold the boat. And um, Yeah, but um, I'll do that again one day, get another boat and go again, yeah. They reckon the best two days ever were the boat of the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly what I found. I, I brought it, was all all happy, we were going all the time, and all of a sudden we weren't using it, we were just sitting right, there. Sitting there yeah. doing Except nothing. just don't have the time to do it, so in the end I just said, oh, I might as well get rid of it. Yeah. Go out and the, uh, the cattle truck runs out somewhere yeah. in the boat and away you go. Yeah. Well, McInerney, when he started, before you sent him over to, uh, to Tassie, did you ever expect him to get to like top city class even, or what was the expectation? He, he always showed a, a lot of speed um, in in patches, you know. Like he, he was very quick down the back, sort of like he get through the first corner, then he'd take off and, and sort of make ground on. But he used to get a little bit wide in his run. But he always showed he, he he had the speed. But it was just a matter of him strengthening up and um, learning how to race. Really, he seems a dog who's just kept improving because some animals, whether they be gallopers, harness, whatever, they get to a point and then they plateau. And you think, right, oh, they reached their mark. But he seems to be a dog that's just kept fighting that little bit every time he's, he's sort of stepped up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, from what, from when he's come back to to Victoria, it was just a, we were just hoping he might win a Grade Five and mm. at both tracks, you know, like at Meadows and Sandown, and you know, might pinch a Grade Four. But he's he, he sort of stepped up and he's got better and his form got real good and um, yeah, and like he's he's done everything we, we could have asked him. He's had a couple of weeks off now since the Melbourne Cup heats and. Uh, obviously, the Phoenix isn't until December 17, so there's 12 days 
between now and then. What have you done with him since the Melbourne Cup heats, and what will you do with him over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, we would sort of freshen him a little bit. Um, we've done the same going into the Top Gun. We're sort of, I'm just trying to keep it like that. He'll he'll have a trial on Thursday at the Meadows. Um, he's been going to the beach a bit more often than what he normally would, just to try and keep some more work up to him. You're walking in the water and a few walks along the beach, and um, he's a very good worker in the runs here. Yep. So I don't have to worry about that too much. Um, I can keep the, his fitness up pretty good. So at the beach, when you take him down there, you walk obviously along with him in the water and. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I'll back you next time. <laughs> Go out. I actually usually send me girlfriend. She she likes to go out in the water. So yeah, she was down there on Saturday and Sunday. I think it was. So yeah. how long would you keep him in there for? Uh, she, I think she said she walked him the other day for fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. like through the water, and then just go for a bit of a walk along the beach. Yeah. Let him. Yeah. Do, do they all like it? Do they all like going down there? Most of them like the water. He, he's yeah. not a great lover of it. Like he, he, he's not a dog that I would say that loves it. Some of them just want to pull you out into the water and want actually try and swim. But yeah, um, yeah no, he he's um, he sort of gets a bit hesitant and stands there sometimes and says I'm not moving. He can be a bit like that. You know, he does that at the races. If sometimes if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he won't go. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, but no, no, normally I all like it. Does he have a favourite track? Do you find this one track you say he's better at that than all the others? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say his his runs have probably been better at Sandown. Hmm. But then in saying that, I think he's only had three or four starts at the Meadows one since he's been back and won three of them. Hmm. So, yeah, but um, no, I don't, I don't think it really matters too much to him. He seemed to love Wentworth Park when we were going up there. Yeah. Like, you know, his form just got better and better and time's got quicker every week. So, yeah. Do you find if he's had a break from, say, racing at the Meadows, it's always good to give him that trial, just give him another look? Yeah, it's probably not same. I don't think he needs to have mm-hmm. a look, but, um, yeah, it's just the way that it'll work out. I sort of sat down and mapped out what we're going to do, and, um, yeah, Thursday was the day when I sort of wanted to trial him. It was either that or we go to Sandown on a sad day, so, but I wanted to do it not nine days out before the race. And, um, yeah, and so we were heading there. It's going to be a red-hot field for the Phoenix. So many informed greyhounds. There's, you know, a couple of absolute superstars as well. Um, who do you think is going to be the most difficult to beat on the night? Probably the other seven, really. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, I mean, Amron Boy, I mean, yeah. he's just he's a... He's flying, he, He's he? just a jet. I mean, he, a, he, he knows the inside, and um, he, he wants the fence and that sort of thing. And, wow, she's fast. Well, we all know how good she is. And, um, yeah, like, Paddy wants Pats. They're all got... There's that much pace in the race, you know, so it's just really going to come down to box draws and who's yeah. drawn around you. Uh, that could be crucial, because we get... Yeah, a, a widey drawn in close or whatever. Yeah. Vice, but if they draw the wrong boxes, yeah, it changes the race. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It could be chaos at the start. Yeah, I've it's got to tell you that fawn dog over there. We've been making eye contact quite a lot, Brendan, and uh, <laughs> he struck up quite the connection. Yeah, there's a connection. He might yeah. be coming home with me in the car. Yeah. <laughs> the way it's going. <laughs> you, you can feed him. I'll put him in your car. All right, yeah. no worries. No. Hey, uh, we're, the... we're about to catch up with Dan Malicki in a moment for gate speed. He's just sent me a text as well, reminding me of your. Harness connection. Um, you, you've got a bit, you've had a bit to do with Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Dan many years ago when he used to have hair, and um, yeah. So, but no, no. Yeah, he's, he's very good caller, and um, yeah, he loves the harness racing. He's sure. an eggshell blonde these days. Yeah, he's a good man, and he'll be joining us very shortly to reflect on a big weekend in, tr- in the trots. Uh, Brendan, uh, we'll let you go for a moment. We'll, we'll catch up with Dan Malecki and talk trots for a little while, but um, make sure you rejoin us before the end of the program as yeah. well, because we might get on the roaming mic as well and. Head down to the kennels and say hello to McInerney and yep. uh, the other greyhounds as well. So thank you so much for having us, and uh, we'll catch up in about half an hour's time. Yep, no worries. Good on you, Ben.